now listening to Vocal Minds with Sophia. And today, our guest is the one and only Marcus Black. What is up, Marcus? Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Hey, yo, what up, family? Yo, I'm super excited elated, ecstatic, all the other words to let you know that I'm just happy to be in your presence today. Let's get it. <laughs> hey, so Marcus, tell us a bit about your backstory. So my backstory is a crazy one, but it's probably not too dissimilar to, to many of ours. Um, people see me doing all type of stuff now, rocking out some of the biggest stages in the world, which I'm excited about. I get to do that. Cover, but anyway. model, hello. On the cover of magazines. We've been on a couple magazines, man. We making some waves and talks with some more, some some television stuff. Somebody wants to talk to me about a movie. It's crazy. It's happening fast. Oh my god! No, I'm excited. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but it wasn't always that way. You of know course. what I'm saying? I came from nothing, literally, from the mud, poverty, abuse, like all type of stuff, man in my home home like alcoholism lived in my home we wound up without a home multiple times when i was younger and i started struggling with anxiety it just trying to cope with the reality that was my life at age nine so i had this horrible anxiety attack that literally sucked my life away i felt like i got sucked into a black hole and i was hyperventilating and i was trying to find myself and this was nine years old way sooner than any human being probably would like to experience these type of things and next thing you know, like, I, I wish I could tell you, like, that was it. But that wasn't it. It was a recurring nightmare that played on a loop for years in my life, me trying to struggle to deal with this. And I know at least three of y'all listening to me right now know what I'm talking about. Like, that's an animal. It's a monster that hunts almost more than any other sickness or disease in the world. And so the th one of the things that helped me get past that was <laughs> death. <laughs> death and I did the tango about 10 years after I first had that first experience. And when you dance with death, which I'm still here, spoiler alert, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> but when you dance with death- Where in America are you from, Marcus? A lot I'm, of our audience are from Europe. So they, they're not familiar with like different states in America. So I'm from the South, deep in the South in the United States of America, but I don't speak like that, please. Okay. I would never do that. But no, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, which is in, it's in the South. And I was raised in Mississippi, also in the South. I currently live in Oklahoma City, which is literally dead in the middle of the country. It's like right in the center of the United States of America. Nice. So, so yeah, that that is, I had that dance with death and I'm still here. I lived through that and it caused me to question. I start asking this question, why a lot? Why, why me? Why did this happen to me? Like, why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to be born in poverty? Why did I have to go through, why did I have to almost lose my life? Why did I lose my ability to play football? Because I messed my neck up. Why, 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 why? And we do that all the time. We start asking this question on a loop, gonna drive ourselves crazy. And it was two years before I realized I was never gonna get the answer to that question. Cause I was asking the wrong question. <laughs> the question was never why me? <laughs> the question was always what for? And that's what I learned. That's the biggest revelation in my life is that somebody right now is sitting in the very seat in which I sat and they don't see their way past it. So I had to real. it takes me vulnerable, vulnerably sharing 
the difficulties I faced and how I overcame that unlocked someone else's future to get past their darkest moment. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit about me. Wow. So do you think that everything that you went through was to help other people? So you don't see it as a burden, like, oh, you know, why me, right? I used to, but I don't anymore. Yeah. And now I have a global audience. So like there's people right now, we're planning a European tour next year hey. in our summer. Yeah. So legit, like I got people in all these countries and I have an audience. I got a big audience in Australia. I got a big audience in South Africa. So it's like, this is crazy. But how did I connect with all these people? Mm. Well, it's because pain, pain is universal. It don't matter mm. what country you're from. It don't matter where you live in the world. You will experience it at some point in your life and you will be hurt at some point in your life. And you will feel like throwing in the towel at some point in your life. And sometimes it takes somebody to come and breathe life into you and let you know you're not alone. Nothing is wrong with you, and this too shall pass. So, yeah, all of those things just gave me the ability to relate with a lot of people all over the place. Mm. So if someone was listening to this and has had childhood trauma like yourself and is still stuck in that cycle, um, you know, and they have no idea how to get over that, like, you know, they feel sorry for themselves. Oh, my mother was a drug addict or my mother was an alcoholic or just, you know, it could be anything. My mother was a sex worker. It could be anything. And they can't they can't let go of the trauma. How did you overcome your trauma? <laughs> Girl, I love this. You are great, by the way. So I, I actually I wrote a book. Let's go. Sleep. Sleep at the Wheel. It was a bestseller. And I talk about this in depth in that book. And one of the most important things you do, the like the, the statement that revolutionized my life, literally, is it is what it is. Here's what I mean by that. I had to learn to face reality and to accept reality, which means... Mm -hmm. I didn't have a dad that was nurturing and that was loving. Here's the thing. We got a good relationship now. That's my dude. Like, so reconciliation is possible. But at the time he was struggling with his own inner demons and he was trying to find himself. He didn't know how to nurture me and teach me. So I had to figure that out and I could sit around and I could wallow in shit and say, I wish I would have had, I wish, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Guess what? You can hope and wish on a star all you want. It ain't going to change nothing. I can sit there and waste my precious minutes of my life or I can wake up and take back control of my life. That's the subtitle of my book, Taking Back Control of Your Life. And the first step in taking control is to assess where you are and realize it literally is what it is. You can't change that. Mm -hmm. You can't change nothing that person did to you. You can't change what they said about you. You can't change how they hurt you. You cannot change it. Mm -hmm. And when you stop trying to change it and just accept that it is what it is, that is when you are able to move forward and figure out what steps you need to take to get where you want to be. Mm -hmm. So stop sacrificing your power and giving up your control, relinquishing your power. You, you were created with so much significance. You were created with so much like passion and so, uh, so much inside of you. Yeah. I'm talking to you. <laughs> That have have any so you you're quite public about your your family dynamic and like alcoholism so so um the, your parents have struggled with addiction have they said to you like why are you airing out my business like that you know <laughs> like that's supposed to be personal so we had we had a conversation before I wrote a book I told okay. my dad I was gonna write a book and I asked him how he felt about it and 
he was kind of quiet, you know, he didn't really want, he didn't want me to talk about it. He was trying to wrestle with it. And I said, look, man, my goal is not to make you a villain, but what's real is what's real. And this is my story. If I take a massive, like that's part of why I am who I am. If I take that out, then it's not the story. Mm. And he said, you know what? If it's gonna help some people, then do what you need to do. I said, I honor you. I promise I always let people know what it is and how he how he's transitioned even in his life. Mm. But um he was fine with it, but his family wasn't. So mm. when when they saw it, they were like, and they were upset, and that caused a little bit of tension for a little while. But here, here's where I ultimately landed. I have a lot of influence over a lot of people. A lot of people deal with uh what what's the word in the family dysfunction in the family and they feel like man my family is effed up man what's wrong with this like i need and i'm like no it's not everybody's family there's not one family on the planet that does not have their own secrets their own traumas but there's a stigma around it because we don't talk about it no one mm -hmm. talks about it so everybody just sits in their shell thinking something is wrong with their family but if we were to talk about it we don't have to come at it to villainize people. We can get people to the help they need by helping them understand that it's okay not to be okay. You just don't want to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you come from the hood, right? And now you're speaking on the world's biggest stages. Um, and people who are in the hood, who are from the hood, they don't think it's possible because they think like, for me, you know, like, oh, I'm too ghetto. I will never be accepted in those circles. You know, maybe they're too white, like honestly. And so they went like the way I speak because I speak too hood. They will want me to speak proper English, right? And you've managed to like break down all those barriers. You are you, you're your authentic self. You wear hoodie, you're not out here with a three-piece suit. Do you know what I mean? And you're accepted on those, the biggest stages. And so did you ever face any stigma because you were hood? Because a lot of this, people that you're you're speaking with are business people they went to like hard like the best schools in the world right you're the guy from the hood so <laughs> you know and I, I think like people from the hood they they don't think that it's possible because it's never been done before they think i will never be accepted in those circles you know they're too white these people all went to school i didn't go to school you know and they faced all these i might have to change the way i speak i might have to change the way i dress and you are still you you're you know what i'm saying you still got that um hood twang not in it like you know it is i'm hood um yeah. and and you're you're speaking with like the best speakers in the world so how how did you how did you do it <laughs> yeah. i love the question right and i it's incredible so one of the things that i do also is i still i go to a school in the hood and i help the next generation teaching them the very thing that you're talking about so the best thing i did when I first stepped outside of my vocation, I used to work for a very big church and I stepped outside of that and I decided I wanted to become a global influencer. I was like, I don't got no influence though and I ain't got no dollars. So I don't know how that's gonna happen, but I just believe it's gonna happen. So this is what we're gonna do, right? So <laughs> I reached out to a guy who I had been watching for a while and he was on the biggest stages already. It's my mentor, it's my brother, my friend. His name is Trent Shelton, if you know who that is. He out here, he making waves. and. I noticed he was speaking with John Maxwell. He's speaking with all these people, but he had uh, dreads. He had long dreads and he had the J's. And I'm like, hold on. He don't look like everybody else, 
but he's still showing up, making an impact at the biggest level. So I reached out. We built a relationship. I asked him to mentor me. And one of the things he always taught me is we can erase the stigma. Like we can show people that it's okay. Like what I put on doesn't affect what I'm saying, doesn't affect my story, doesn't affect my gift, doesn't affect my knowledge, my wisdom. It got nothing to do with that. But I also want people who come from where I come from to see me and see what's possible. Mm. To see that you're not defined by none of that stuff, man. I don't care how big I get. I'm going to always keep it like this because I want people to know that like you can be you and you can be authentically you. And and I did get some pushback. There was some people. I got some personal calls from some of the biggest speakers in the world. I'm talking like big time telling me they don't like they don't like this and they don't like that. And you need to do this. And I'm like, well, listen, man, anybody who would try to change who I am in my core without seeking to understand who I am is no friend of mine. So I don't need you. I don't care. I'm not chasing clout. Mm. I don't care what, who your name is. I don't care what you got. I do it for the 44 kids who was in the room. I went to mentor yesterday. Who's looking at me like, dang. So you mean I can get out of here? So you mean I can do something and I don't have to dribble a ball or mess around with a microphone trying to rhyme? I ain't got to do that. There's another way for me to get the bag. Yes, it is. You can be an author. I can teach you how to be an author. I can help you publish a book. Like I can help you use your voice to touch people through the pain and experience. People will pay you for your pain. (laughs) Legit. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I get all... No, no, I love what you're saying because I love the fact that you never really sold out. When you started getting popular and you're now in the circle, you know, you might think, oh, well, I need to start dressing a certain way and I need to start speaking a certain way. And for you, your goal was like to inspire the youth in the hood because that's who you're speaking to. You're not speaking to people who already have everything because you want to show them that you can get out of here, right? Um, you don't have to be that one athlete to make it. By the way, only one athlete makes it, right? It's very competitive. Facts. And even rappers, like you could be the best rapper and you still won't become successful, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. I think it's really important, especially like I can understand the dynamic. It is so hard to get opportunities when you are from the hood, right? Uh, but then also you put these perceptions in your head that I will never get a job because I'm from the hood or because uh, I didn't get a degree. I don't. I didn't go to the best school, you know? And, you know, your, your word, your, your voice could be your gift. You don't need, uh, you know, like exams to prove that you're intelligent and you, you're living proof, right? Yo, I failed public speaking in college. I'm just throwing that out there. And now I speak on the biggest stages with the biggest speakers in the world. Yeah, I think it's it, that that just shows, right? Like taking exams is not the the bulletproof print of how you can become successful and leverage yourself. I'm excited, man. This is such a good conversation. I appreciate you asking the question. So like to anybody that's listening and you hear us and you think, well, he just got lucky. Nah, man, it's not, it's not that. It is... Are you bold enough to show up? Like, listen to me. I had two students that we mentor in our program die in the last three weeks. Three weeks, two kids under 18. Somebody, another young lady, I just saw this right before hopping on that I grew up with, that I was like there when they were born, just passed away under 25. What am I saying to y'all? Life is short and Mm. you can live it 
based on what other people think. You can sacrifice what you want to do. And I just decided not for my life. Like after I already had a near-death experience, I'm not playing. And I don't care if they don't like it. I don't care if they don't feel me. I'm going to make them feel me. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they still don't feel me, listen, if I ain't your cup of tea, then I tell them, go drink some coffee. I don't care. I'm going to be me. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to speak life. Yo, Sophia, I'm stuck on the side of the road and I really need your help right now. Oh my God, what's wrong? Do you know where I can start a podcast? Like, I don't even know where to begin. Yes, Anchor. Anchor, what the heck is Anchor? Anchor is an app that easily allows you to create and publish episodes for free, no money or equipment required. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean to tell me that I can record my podcast even on my phone and have it uploaded on the same day? Yes, from your phone anywhere in the world. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go download it right now then. Thank me later. And I hope you get your car fixed. My car? I'm not worried about that thing. And it's refreshing for people. A lot of the CEOs are like, dang, man, like, you are different. And sometimes they are nervous. Like, man, I heard it. They didn't know I heard it once. I heard some CEOs of a company who overheard them in the next room. And they were like, man, I hope this dude can do. I hope he's good. Like, cause we paying this money. And then I killed it. And they were like, oh my God, it's the best thing we ever heard. And their teams are like, man, this is real. This is refreshing. It's not the same old same ABCDEFG. Like it, they can relate to what I'm saying because the message is real. And so I'm saying that to you, don't allow what you look like, where you come from, what you have, what resources you have access to, to stop you from showing up and creating the life you want to create. Because mm. in the beginning, when I was talking to my mentor, Trent, he had all these like dope videos, man. He had dope ass, like, I mean, just like crazy stuff, mm. like with videographers. And I was like, dang, man, I don't got all that. I don't got the money for that. I can't afford it. And I was like, I don't got this. I don't got that. And he was like, Stop telling me what you don't have. He said, what, what do you have? Mm -hmm. You got a voice, right? Yeah, I got a voice. You got a phone, right? Yeah, I got a phone. Okay. He was like, that's all you need. And so I just started filming myself making videos, 30 to 60 seconds every day for years. And at first, nobody was watching. It was like set me and like seven people, like seven views. But I say that to people so you don't get discouraged. I always yeah. tell people, do whatever you want to do, do it for the love, not for the likes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you were a teenager and you're from the hoods, um, drug use and uh, becoming a drug dealer is like probably the most common um, outcomes of, of being from the hood, unfortunately. Uh, what would you say like didn't take you down that path? You know, either you're selling drugs or you're taking the drugs. Like there's only two routes really. Was it religion? Because you mentioned that you were a huge part of the church. Was it, would you say religion that kind of, kept you off that route of you know being a crack dealer or using the drugs uh, that was a little bit of it um because i was in there but honestly and there's like, a lot was... of drug use in the south a lot yeah yeah in the trap it goes down <laughs> <laughs> but no so especially like where i'm from like it's one of the crime capitals in memphis like that area like where i grew up it's crazy it's insane but for me 
it part church was some of it, but honestly, it was about being distracted at the end of the day. Like I play every sport. So I didn't have time to get into drugs because I played baseball in the spring and the summer. And then I played basketball. I played football in the fall in the United States. And that lasts up to winter and then basketball. So it's like then I was on the track team and then I was on the powerlifting team. And so like I had all these sports that like was practice after school and was practice on the weekends and traveling on the weekends and tournaments. And that really was the biggest thing. And so you see a lot of people like Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg has a league. He got a football, youth football league. And he, and he hires coaches and Uncle Luke, who was big time in the rap game, like back in the day. Uh, so anyway, that's a whole nother story. But now all these guys understand who come from those environments that if we can keep them occupied, if we can keep their time occupied, then we can keep them from making choices and then maybe create some opportunities. But even if sports doesn't work, which I'm not playing sports now, it just kept me safe and it kept me on the right path long enough and taught me some leadership principles along the way that I could use today. Mm. So what are the, like some of the things that you advise the kids in the hood, especially ones that you see might be like falling into like selling drugs. Yeah. Cause it's very common, you know, um, by the age of 13 you already know how to cook crack and it's really unfortunate and it's the same in london by the way like people think oh europe like there's no hood there it's the same and you know there's no difference it's the same and it's uh it's interesting when you look at it from an out from when you've been there and you're now looking into it from an outside perspective because how, what is the solution how do you stop this I think a lot of things that we try to do within my organization is expose them to something different because that's what we don't have. We don't have exposure or access to resource. So like you just said a minute ago, this guy's on biggest stages in the world with the biggest speakers. I was never exposed to that, but I have an opportunity to mm. expose them to it. Yeah. So now, like as an event, I just got asked to speak at a red carpet event in Los Angeles, one of the biggest cities in America, right? Hollywood. A Hollywood director, like, come on, I want you out. I got to have you speak to my people. We doing it big. Like, let me, let's get on the phone. Let me get your arrangements. I said, bet, let's do it. I now can sometimes even take kids with me that I mentor wow. to see like, oh, cause they ain't never seen that. Most of them, yeah. like we got a lake in my city. I'm, I do a lot of content in front of the lake. It's small. It's just like a little lake. Yeah. And we took a kid there once and we were sitting out there just chilling, chopping it up, talking therapeutic and the kid was like dang is this the ocean and that's so sad because we are like thousands of miles from the ocean i don't live nowhere near nobody's ocean but they don't know because they've never been exposed to it so if we can expose them to capital we have all these connections in my city now the mayors and the governors and all these people that i have access to now we get to put them in the room so that they can see something different even when it comes to like drugs, like weed is starting to be legalized in a lot of states in, Amer in America. And so they're decriminalizing it finally. So there's kids, they 15, 16, and they are very passionate about cannabis. So I'm like, yo, what if you stop slinging on the street and you learn how to form an LLC? You form your own business. You already know, fam, you can break down, you know all the strands, you know everything about this. Why not take that passion and do it the right way where you ain't got to look over your shoulder and you can literally get the bag doing something you care about. So mm -hmm. expose, cause I don't even think that's an option. I can't own a business. I'm just keep slanging with Ray Ray and, and hope that it worked and that mm -hmm. I don't get got in the night. Like, nah, bro, you ain't got to live like that. You can live a different way. Yeah. Get the bag. So like, it's just, at the, at the end of the day, it comes down to 
exposure, exposure mm-hmm. to experiences and exposure to resources to open their minds to what's possible for their lives. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're working with the schools. I went to school and I got kicked out of multiple schools. I couldn't learn. I had opportunities to learn, but I was not interested. So how do you how do you help those children? Like they're in school. I don't know if the education system is is it's not free, right? Where you're from. It is. Okay, so they they have access to education, but they're just, they don't want to learn. And there's other reasons why they want to hang out with their friends. They want to smoke weed. How do you, you know, like you're working with children. How do you encourage them to like listen in class, which sounds like the most basic principle, but they don't care. And the thing is also, they don't respect the teachers. I was one of them. Trust me. They don't give a fuck. You know, it's unfortunate. So if the teacher tells you something to do, you'll be like, fuck off. I'm not doing that because there's also children because they've had to learn how to raise themselves. Now they're 12 years old and they think they're a fully grown person. Let me tell you why. It's not that they don't care. And it's not that they're disrespectful. It's not you didn't care. What I learned with these kids or anybody that's ever come from this environment is you don't feel they care. So Mm. why should I care? So when these kids have moments where they disrespect school staff and authorities, it's because they feel like you don't care. You're just getting paid. You're just doing a job. Even though teachers don't make a lot, it's like you're just funneling me through here. So for me, when I come in, number one, I always meet needs, right? These kids are hungry. They don't often get to eat like outside of school. So and if they do, it's like something not good. So I bring pizza every week to the school. Nice. You should get sponsored by Domino's. They sponsor a lot of projects, you know. You should reach out to them. I should talk to them. They uh because they're they're active. They cut us a deal, but they ain't sponsored nothing. Oh man. I should talk to the corporate. Yeah, exactly. And like I know they're really helping women girls in tech get jobs. So you should definitely so we bring it. We bring pizza every week. And when I do that, they already are like, okay, he's here. And he's bringing us something, not asking for something from us. And then I listen to them and then I teach them. I don't just, I teach them like uh, spiritual principles to help them have a foundation. And then I teach them life skills. Like yesterday, we talked about setting up a business, LLC. I taught them uh, OPM method, which is the how I got started in my business. And y'all know what OPM mean is other people's money. <laughs> it's like how you, how you start a business using other people's money. Because there's a way to do that. And so basically, it's a, it's a, it's not a long story. It's a simple formula. Basically, like you find your product, you figure out what your product cost is, you figure out what that's going to cost you to produce that product. And then you set, well, you figure out what you want to make. Okay. Mm-hmm. If my product costs $10 and I want to make 15, that means I got to charge 25. So then I, I'll just put on my internet, my social media, yo, pre-order. I got a t-shirt, $25. I did that. 88 people bought a shirt. They gave me $25. The dude charged me 10 a shirt. I just paid him that and I made the rest in my pocket. Um, I pulled up to the mall and was like, come pick up your shirts. Everybody came and got their shirts. And I just made that money and I didn't have to have money to start to make the money. I'm teaching mm-hmm. them stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, dang, I can do that. I can slap a logo on a shirt. I can show them where to get it printed. 
run the pre-order so they get the money up front they come out of pocket nothing i'm teaching them life skills mm, that's important i think like also selling drugs teaches you business skills and some of the biggest businessmen today started out as drug dealers um but the women girls don't really go down the drug dealing route it's not really common i mean yeah but it's not common so like boys are more familiar with business because of selling drugs and so do you think that there's less opportunities for women in the hood in the hood let's do because we're both from the hood right and i think and then the girls turn into you know sex workers because that's the alternative to selling drugs right a woman thinks a girl thinks well i'm gonna use what i got right and they listen to lil kim and foxy brown and feel empowered by monetizing because, you know, it's like, why give it out for free, right? So I think women have less opportunities, right? Or girls in the hood, right? They do. And what's interesting about that is when they get out, they tend to be a lot more successful when they get the opportunity. But a lot of times they never even see or perceive the opportunity. So what one of the things we try to do, I have ladies who come in with me and spend time with them and take them to brunch. It's like, dang, like they ain't brunch. What is brunch? <laughs> like, you know, like take them out to these nice places and help them and help them get exposed to job opportunities and money. And, and so we're doing the same thing because my program is guys and girls. It's both and in the school. It's actually it's about half and half. I was going to say it's more girls. Not about half and half. But but you're, you're not wrong. They don't have the same opportunities. And sometimes they feel. I don't got no option. So let me just, honestly, this was the case when I was growing up, there was a lot of girls who thought I might make it as an athlete. And so it's like, now here's comes all this attention. I'm like, now nah. I'm like, all right, bro, you're not really feeling me. You just feel like this is an opportunity for you, yeah. for you. But it's like, I want women to understand that like, you ain't got to attach yourself to no dude, to no man. Your worth is not predicated or dependent upon him and what he can do for you. You can do it for yourself. Because you are valuable. You are intellectual. Like, you got it. You got the juice. So it's just about understanding what your opportunities are and how you can get out of here as well. So, you know, that's something I teach these young girls, self-worth, valuing themselves, so they don't go down that path. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, because I think women learn different to men, right? So the same, and women are not prone to business. You start talking about business, they're not interested, you know, and because also, as you said, they don't see themselves being that boss lady. And so they'll settle for the wife. I'll I'll date the athlete or I'll date the rapper because that's all they see themselves capable of doing. Right. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, probably called popular culture, you know, it's what they're told. If they listening to music or watching TV, that's what they see glorified. You turn on reality TV. What do you see glorified? Yeah. Like you, you listen to the music, both the women and the, the thing, they're not driving that. Mm -hmm. I'll have like 90% of these artists never live the life they talk about. You got your occasional, like Cardi B who really come from that life. You know what I'm saying? You got your occasional um rappers who have come from that life like young Dolph who's where I'm from who RIP is mm -hmm. no longer here because of tox toxicity in in these environments but I say all that to say like 
they just have to be exposed to something different. They got to be exposed to you. They got to see like you created your own damn thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got a show, you got a community, you got a podcast. Like they need to know that like, okay, there's ways to elevate my voice and then they can attract sponsorships and then they can attract relationships. Cause it really all comes down to like, who, you know, who do you know? And who can open doors for you? Mm-hmm. It's so, true. Yeah. And, and so like right now in tech, there's a lot of like female empowerment going on. A lot of women in color, like absolutely killing this space. And I love to see, and it's like, you know, it's encouraging younger because girls, I don't know. They're not really into, they have never, I, I don't know if there was opportunities, but they were never really into tech. And, you know, just seeing that and like seeing Meta, Facebook hiring a ton of women of color, right? And these women just being bosses and, you know, and so we're seeing an, the uh, like a dynamic shift of like, instead of seeing the, the, the wife or the girlfriend of somebody successful, you can now see women in the tech business, founders, female founders, women of color who are female founders right and and look at that as inspiration and i think it's important especially like girls in the hood you know because it's it's harder for females because even companies are more likely to hire men than they are women right they are and but honestly it takes like i'll use this um my friend and i talk about this all the time like, you know, you guys, I, you know, stranger, you know, the history of America, you know, the beginning of it was rough and yeah. I, I won't go too deep into that. But slavery didn't change and end in America because all the black people fought against it. It wasn't Martin Luther King and all of them like they played their role, but that's not why things changed. What happened and why things changed was when other people of power, when white people joined in the fight and said, this is not OK, that is when equality started to happen Mm -hmm. now same thing i bring that up because it's going to take the same thing for women's rights and equality so like women can say all day this is unfair we're not paid equal wages we're not valued the same we're not given the same opportunities but until there are people of power and men to say we care about this and we value our sisters and their voices deserve to be heard they deserve opportunities they deserve to show their brilliance in the world that is when things have begun to change and so one of the things i stand on i'm an advocate for all my sisters to use their voice like even if i'm in spaces i'll defend them i'll show up for them whatever it is they need me to do like you'll see me sometimes on clubhouse there'll be these like big rooms of all women stages and then i'll be up there people like why is he there and they'll be like oh hey you talking do your thing i'm not gonna do my thing I'm here to create space and hold space and show love and support to my sisters. And they got it. They don't need my voice. They they got it. And mm-hmm. I'm just here to support and show that. And so, yeah, that's important to me as well. And so I'm, I'm honored to even be here to support you and what you're doing. Like, I love to see it. Thank you. No, for real. It's the, uh, you know, I never noticed these things until until lately um about like the inclusion with women and then you hear all these women and you think they're feminists like i don't want to hear that all women are talking about women's rights and uh you you know there is there's there's a there's a dynamic shift a lot of women are paving the way right now especially in tech because i'm doing a lot of stuff in metaverse um there's hardly any women and then the women they're all together they don't there's no like it's women's groups they're not everybody it's not inclusive 
right? So I'm noticing that. And uh, there's underlying feminist movement and they hate towards men. And it's just very interesting right now to see. Um, so Marcus, the first stage you ever spoke on, because uh, you're so confident, you are such an amazing speaker, but I'm sure it wasn't always like that. I, I probably, uh, did you, you know what I mean? Especially somebody who's looking and messed up their first time and now have given up because they think this isn't for me because they look at you now you're well seasoned you've been doing it for a while so you probably don't get as nervous you might still get nervous but the first time talk to us about the first time you ever spoke yeah so i'll give you two first times like because it was like the first time i ever spoke at the church that i was working for which was big and then the first time i ever spoke when i left there when i spoke outside so so I didn't want to do this. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I hate it. Like being on the stage, like I ran from it. I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want them people judging me. I don't want to mess up. And like you said, like when you come from somewhere different, like I speak different. I don't perfectly articulate all my words. Like, nah, man, forget all that. So uh, I it was nervous and I, I got hired at the church and they were like, all right, we start your speech training tomorrow so you can be teaching this class on the stage. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. And they said, <laughs> oh, for real, they were like, no, you can. I was like, no, I can't. I can't. I'm not. And they were like, you want the job, right? Yes, we're there. <laughs> then you don't have a choice. Ah, man. So I started and it was like pulling teeth. Oh, my God, that was so hard. I hated it. I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> and I started teaching that class and I did it for a couple of years, honestly, just going through the motions, rushing through it, trying to get by. But it was like that first time it was like I was nervous, scared, petrified, trembling, like thinking, what if I mess up? Like all of this stuff was in my head and that stayed in my head for years. So if you struggle with that, like, nah, just know that that's normal. Here's what happened, though. One day in my class, there was a lady and I was going through my class, getting through them notes. But I was rushing through them notes and she said. There's a lady who said, excuse me, mister, like, can I, I need to say something. And in my head, I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, ah, I can't be the, a jerk. Like, I'm at a church. So I was like, okay. So I let her speak. She just broke down. You know, I'm talking about like that ugly cry. I'm like, like, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, dang. So she started crying super, super hard. And, I, and then she proceeded to say, like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. She said, my family's in the next room. They don't know. I slept outside last night. I slept literally on the street. She was like, I was snorting coke lines all night. Like, they don't know that. And I'm tired. I can't live like this no more. Like, she was just crying. Like, I help. Like, I need help. And for the first time of me speaking, what I had to say, my program wasn't important anymore. I moved that stuff out the way. And I started speaking to a human. God I wanted her to know that you're not defined by the choices you made. I wanted her to know that you're more than what you did. I don't care if you did it this morning. You ain't defined by that. We all make bad choices. And like this, that people know me for now, it wasn't that way. The first time that passion ever came out was when I was talking to that girl that day. And I wanted her to know that she was loved. And I wanted her to know that she was beautiful. And I wanted her to, I just, all of that, right? And then like that, my hair stood up and I realized in that moment, like, Ah, uh, the light bulb went off. See, I realize now every time I get any platform in front of people, somebody is at the end of their rope. That is an unfortunate truth. 
it is a fact. One of y'all listening right now is looking for a lifeline and that's why you're here. And I'm happy to provide it. But I realized it's bigger than me. This is bigger than me. And every time I speak, I carry that now. So that, so to help you, if anybody who wants to do that and who wants to get to where I am, you want stages, like know that it's bigger than you. It don't matter what you look like. No matter what you sound like. Tell you like my mentor told me, he said, quit being selfish. All I hear is me, me, me. What if me? What if I'm not? What if I? What if I? Get that out of here, man. He, he felt like a kick in the gut. He's like, stop being selfish. It just ain't about you. Mm. And it's not. And every time I speak, it's not about me. So I will remove my discomfort because my purpose and what I want to convey the message is more important than the method. It's more important than how I feel. And so I just get, I just stop. I take the lid off and I just let go and I pour into people. Yeah. So that was that was that first time. So I left the church and I had another first time. And the lady gave me my first paid speaking engagement. I was so excited, but nervous. I was like, man, I ain't at the church no more. This is different. Like this is a community organization. So you know, everybody comes to the churches looking for the same thing. So what I'm saying, they're looking for. When you step outside of that, that's not the case anymore. So I was nervous. And then I swear to you, one of my favorite news anchors pulled up with cameras. And I was like, oh, what? Now I got to talk in front of like the people from TV? Yo, I was so nervous, but I did what I did and I killed it. And the rest is history. But I was absolutely nervous. I thought I might wet my britches. I might pee on myself, but I didn't. Wow. How do you stay in the in the moment without li- like you know like you could be listening to yourself speak, and then you're hearing yourself, and then you'll start stuttering, and then you know, and that's then that's great, it. Freeze. That's a great question. So you got to get in the zone. Like these people, somebody was talking to me. She's a expert as it comes to like quantum and all this stuff. I don't know nothing about it, but apparently it's a space. It's like where you get into your zone. So for me, I've learned when I'm communicating, nothing else matters nothing else matters. My phone don't matter. Like, I don't even listen to myself. It's because if you do that, you're processing what you're saying, you take yourself out of out of zone. Because now you can't think about what they're going to think about you. You can't think about if you messed up or you stumbled. You can't think at all. It's more of a from the heart space and from the core of who you are, your very being, your spirit, given the message that's on your heart. So the question is, do you know the message that's on your heart? Because when you do, People can give me any topic. I could go to any company, any business, and I will, because what's in my heart, I can craft a keynote and I can make it relevant and I can touch them. But once I get into that zone, it's like, it's like predictive text. Like I can pull the words out of the air and assemble a talk, but it wasn't always that way. But when I was thinking about, well, what if I mess up? Oh, what if they don't like if I say that word? Oh, what if, that's why you you brought up the point earlier, like I am who I am. I, I come the way I come. I speak the way I speak. Like I still use slang and different terms that maybe not other people will use, but I don't even think about that. It, listen, if you don't like it, fine. Okay, I'm not for you. That, and I ain't going to be for everybody. And you won't be for everybody. And that's okay. But it's about getting in that zone. So yeah, thinking, you got to eliminate thinking. If you're thinking and processing about what you're going to say, then you're not flowing and the way people are like, well, then if I don't think, how do I make sure I stay on topic and say something that's not stupid and chase rabbit holes? And that comes down to like the core conviction of what your actual message is and repetition. I spoke so many times now, I kind of know, like I got a feel for my time. I got a feel for how long I should go, when I should stop, when it's time to wrap it up. Like you just kind of, that comes with repetition. So that means do it a lot. And if you don't have a stage, create your own damn stage. That means create your YouTube channel, create your podcast, build your own platform, and then use that every day. You get better with practice. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you mentioned earlier about one sec. I've actually got something in my eye. <laughs> no oh. worries. Okay. No, you mentioned earlier about, you know, always, like your core is the hood. Like no matter how big you get in the corporate world, your core will always be like, I got to give back to those kids. Like you don't have to, because now you can just deal with like Fortune 500 companies, right? And and forget where you come from. A lot of people do that, right? What do you think has kept you connected and, you know, still heavily involved um, in your communities? Do you still go to Tennessee? You mentioned you were from Tennessee, right? Do you still go back there and see where you came from in Tennessee, right? Because now you're dealing with the biggest corporate companies. You don't need to still be actively giving your time in the hood. Is that because you see another you, a young you, in the hood, like lost and have no one, and you think that's that is your goal, and I can see that's that's your you know your the hood is your foundation. You're like yes, you're getting these big gigs, but for you, you're giving back to the hood, and that's the most important thing to you. Um, yeah. So something tells me like you knew the answer to that question when you asked it, but it absolutely is one of my biggest things because I I have people talk to me. It, it, it's a lot. It gets deep. And I have people talk to me about all of these, like, you know, celebrities. I saw um, Eric Thomas have this conversation. Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher. He's another one of my influences. He another one that's going to pull up with a hat, a jumpsuit and some J's like and speak at the biggest companies in the world. And he was speaking to a school in the hood one day back where he came from. And they were just talking and laughing and playing. And he stopped his speech. And he regulated like I will never forget watching him do that. And I've had to do that a couple of times myself. And he was like, y'all don't understand like what a gift this is. He, people pay that dude one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars for an hour. He's like, I ain't, I'm here for not a dime. They ain't giving me a dime to be here because I ain't taking a dime because I don't want nothing from you. So when he was speaking to them, he said, like, all of y'all want to laugh and play right now. And this ain't playtime. Like, I'm trying to give you life. I'm trying to really give you the game. But you will for free, but you will want to spend money you don't have to go see your favorite rapper and where they at. They come and take your money and they dip. When is the last time they pulled up to your school and spoke to you and spent some time with you and connected with you because they care? Because a lot of them don't. So for me, I bring that up because a lot of times our heroes are disconnected mm -hmm. and they go on and do what they want to do and they live the life they want to live and I ain't knocking nobody. If that's what you feel you want to do, that's fine. But it's mm -hmm. always burdened my heart that people don't come back and share resources and share blueprint and share what they've learned. So mentorship matters. I wouldn't be where I am if coaches and other people in my life didn't pull me aside and say, hey, if you do this, hey, I see something in you. If you just move this way, if you take this route, if you move, like, if they didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I am. And so it's always been important to me and will always be important to me to make sure that I'm paying that forward. And I'm that's the only thing my mentors ask of me. Like, I don't want nothing from you. I don't want no money from you. All I ask is when the day comes and you get where you're going, that you pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important, especially and speak in a language that they understand. <laughs> so if you now go Hollywood and you come back speaking go Hollywood, no one's going to understand what the hell you're saying because you need to speak in a language that people in the hood understand, right? Um, it's important or they will never understand, right? You can't go there and speak uh, big, big Hollywood. It's just, uh, I, I like I'm speaking from, you know, when I was younger, it's uh, 
it's a different language, you know, and you could give it so much value, but they don't understand. So you, it's like you have to go spend more time. It takes a lot of time, you know, and you have to really care. That's that's the thing, right? You have to really care. And I, I think that's so beautiful that you're, you know, you're you're now like big shot speaker, but your main foundation is, is the people in the hood, right? Because they everyone forgets about them it's like you know also the th like kind of it's so crazy i grew up in africa and you say there's poverty in america to somebody in africa they won't believe you because they're like what america is like the richest country in the world how is there poverty in america right it doesn't make sense to anyone you know and you were saying earlier like the the kid he didn't even know that the lake wasn't the ocean and you say that that's the first world by the way that's not third world they don't do you know what i'm saying and like the dynamic is so insane that's correct like it's it is insane and you know little things like we expose kids and you think like exposing them means taking them to meet elon musk in the moon no sometimes like i had a kid and I was like, bro, where you want to eat today? Like, what's up? Where you want to go? We can go anywhere. I was going to take him anywhere. Five-star restaurant. Where you want to go? He said, man, he was like, uh, I've been feeling McDonald's lately. I was like, bro, I'm not taking you to no McDonald's. We're not going to McDonald's. You got to pick something else. We go anywhere. Anywhere. Thing is, he don't even know what that means. Like, I, <laughs> uh, I'll give you an example. Ooh, watch this. When, I, when my name started taking off, I had an angel investor reach out to me. I don't even know what an angel investor is. Like this dude, a venture capital, he had money that he wanted to help me start a business. He said, I'll tell you what, you got 30 days to come up with a business project or idea and it's on me. I'm paying for it. I don't care what, I don't care what it costs. You come up with the plan and we're going to make it happen. I'll take 10%. The rest is yours. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, and I don't know what, I don't know what to ask for. So I, I tell a friend, I'm going to ask for something. And my friend laughs at me. And I'm like, what, what are you laughing for? And he's like, bro, this man said anything. And I was going to ask him to build me an app. And he was like an app fam, an app. You can build an app. You can YouTube video how to build an app. Like it don't even cost that much. So, um, so I didn't know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to ask you for. Cause my brain can't even think of stuff I've never been exposed to. So just like this kid, when I said, where you want to go, I'm talking five-star restaurants. He said, McDonald's, you know, where we actually went, where he really wanted to go. We went to Popeye's chicken. It's another like fast food spot. Like that's what he wanted though. So I took him there, but I'm like, he don't even know what to ask for. Mm. So but we're we're still exposing him. So there's another kid who was like, I took him. I didn't ask him. I learned my lesson. I said, All right, I'm gonna take you somewhere. I took him to a little popular chicken wing spot. That knew that's his favorite food, and he was like, Yo, I drive by this place every day, and I've never been here. And I'm like, You never been here, fam? Like little stuff, like they just being exposed to these things. And so I just love having the opportunity to to pour into them and to expose them to these opportunities, man. And, and yeah, but listen, like, I, I think I'm that's like, so beautiful. And I think also with the girls, girls think, um, in especially, Oh, if you give them something, they have to do something back for it, you know? And so by doing that and showing like, no, it's it, that dynamic that you have to give back is, is just, it's so wrong and it's not true. Do you know what I mean? One of my girls hit me up one day and her her mom had just passed away. Her dad was, had, was in prison. She didn't have any, and her brother was in prison. She didn't have any family. She was literally living by herself. She was so embarrassed. She she had to text me to tell me she needed some, I forgot what she called them. She used a very 
like professional term. I didn't know what she was asking me for. So I hit up one of my volunteers who was a lady and she basically needed some feminine products and she didn't have anyone else to ask. And so when you talk about poverty in a first world country, like something that cost almost nothing, like she didn't have it though, and no way to get it, no access. And I'm like, who knows what she would have did if she wasn't in the program. So I was able to get what she needed and swing it by the crib. But like, like you said, and, and just because like, I don't need nothing from you. Like, I just need you to go be great. Shine your light in this world, man. Like to have hope that you can call somebody and they'll come through for you. So mm-hmm. you say you're from Africa. That's dope. What part? I was raised in Central Africa and then I moved to London. I've never been. I want to go someday. But like, you know, feminine products in, in the UK, they have a lot of tax on them. And it's like weird. So uh, there is a campaign they're trying to take off the tax on these feminine products because they're so expensive here that people use tissue who can't afford it. You know, it's like crazy. First world again. It's insane. Um and you know condoms are free, right? In so why are sanitary towels and Tampax not free? Like here, I don't know about there, but condoms are free. Like you can get condoms. All the major companies give away condoms to like sexual health clinics, like unlimited, right? There is no limit to how much condoms you can get. Sorry to take it there, but with feminine products, it's not that. And so it's like they're again going back to the inclusion for females. You know, there's a lot of birth, <laughs> a lot of like not to be feminist, but you know, these things that, that we see. We and so it's good that you know you you also have a different approach for females because you see the needs that females, it's not just male and female all have the same needs. The women and girls, young girls have different needs, and girls in in the in poverty, especially because they end up doing things that they shouldn't be doing because they think that's the only way. Do you know what I mean? And it's so unfortunate, seriously. It is. Um, and then one of the things Martin Luther King talked about was until we all care about everybody's struggle, we're, we're going to forever have any inequalities in the world. And so basically, you know, this is what we're saying. It's not about being feminist or being this or being that. It's more about just making sure everybody has equal opportunity and equal rights to succeed. And so, and it takes those of us who have a voice to use it for those people to help create opportunities and equality in the world. So I'm glad that, you know, we got to even talk through some of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have um, some questions here. So Darkwing says, what is the person who you help straighten their life out that sticks out first in, in your mind? So the the one that comes immediately to mind is my little man's man. I don't want to say his name, but but there's a young man who uh, the school called me in, and so when when the school called me in, they said, "Yo, we we don't know what to do. Like this kid needs help." We tried to offer therapy. He said no. We tried to offer community resources. He said no. We asked him if he there's anybody he would talk to, and he said you. So I came in. And the first thing out of his mouth, the principal, like of the school, like headmaster, I don't know what you call him. Like they they left and was like, take my office. This kid needs somebody. I sit down with him like, yo, man, what's up? I'm thinking I'm gonna have to pull teeth to get him to share what's on his heart. No. You know what he said to me? First thing out of his mouth, he said, I've been feeling real homicidal lately. He didn't say suicidal. He said homicidal, like I'm gonna take somebody's life. 
And I was like, oh, snap. All right, here we go. Got to dig in. It's going to be a big one. <laughs> but we just, <laughs> long story short, man, we spent some intentional time that day. I listened to him and I'm like, you don't know why you angry? I'm angry. And I didn't even live through your pain. And then we go through his story. I said, all right, you mind. Every week I pulled up, I brought his favorite snack. We met at the same time. He started calling me his therapist, his counselor. And we started meeting. I started taking him to the lake. I started literally pouring into him, started taking him. He was actually the person I asked where he wanted to go. And we went, wound up at Popeye's, could have eat anywhere. Um, wound up in his home, helping him have a conversation of rec- re- reconciliation with his moms. And now this man is like, from being kicked out of school multiple times to just posted a picture of him in his cap and gown about to graduate. Like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, it's like change, like going from like drop out and say F it all. I mean, my man's got the pictures on his internet with the choppers, like all of them, the AK, the Uzis. I'm like, come on, but I I get it. I understand the culture, but he's making, he, every time I tell how you doing, man, I'm good. I'm staying out the way. I'm staying out of trouble. I'm laying low. I'm like, all right, bet. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Keep it going. Keep grinding. Why do you think so? Like in the hood, um, the more bad things that you do, it's like the more you you are respected. The like if you've been jailed, then you're like, you know, someone who is worth listening to if you have the war scars. So people unintentionally probably don't even have desire to go and stab people. So guns are not legal in the UK. So those stabbings, right? It's like, you know, shanks and shit. That's the thing, right? Every frigging kid has knives in their pants when they go to school. It's not every kid, but like in the hood predominantly because like the pressure of being cool um, is that is being a drug dealer or being, be a, you know, and these, like, even going back to myself, like, teachers used to tell me, you are so smart. Why are you doing all this dumb? I was the biggest hood rat. Like, you know, why, not dumb things, but I didn't want to learn. So how do you get through to the children that don't, I know you said, like, listen, but I feel when you, when they talk about their pain, then that makes them feel like, oh my God, well, personally me, like, I'm a G, I've been through so much shit. And that will certify you on the streets because what you're paying is your certification to being a fucking G, which is also ridiculous if you think of it from on, on a bigger scale. Do you know what I mean? So we need to, do you think like, will we ever pass the glorifying, uh, you know, the struggle, the war scars? Because then yeah. people unintentionally look for that because they know if I stab someone, then I'm respected. If you know what I mean, and then people will know my fucking name. Sorry to swear, but if I if I get a good job in the hood, no one cares about that. You know, they want the war scars. They want they want to look at your face and you look like a killer, and that's why you like you you you're cool. Here's the thing, though they they really do care about the good job. They just feel like they can't because we've lied. This, this, what you're talking about right now is the same in every community. And I'm about to make it real. Watch this. I was on, I was on a virtual platform with one of the biggest, a billionaire, one of the biggest billionaires in the world. I won't say his name either, but having this conversation and he was being so cool. And I was like, yo, you so cool. Like, that's crazy. Cause like, I see your social media and I don't like you. And he said, if I saw my social media, I wouldn't like me either. I kind of got to be a jerk on there. I was like, what do you mean got to be? You're the billionaire that everybody's looking up to, that everybody's trying to get to. You're the one setting the trend. But in his mind, 
I gotta be something because it makes people want what I have, even though that's not who I am. So he's doing that. Then there's a, I was coaching a lady in the, in the burbs, like in the suburbs and they were rich, rich. And she's crying one day because her 4,000 square foot home, 5,000 square foot mansion isn't big enough because the other people, all the other friends got bigger houses. And I'm like, so you chasing clout. He chasing clout and you bring it right back to the hood. And what are we doing? Same thing. I'm just chasing clout. And what people are really doing is seeking acceptance. I just want people to accept me and not bother me. So a lot of times people want street cred, not even because they want it. I don't even want street cred. I just don't want people to be trying to roll up on my crib and take what I have, what little I do have, or shoot me, or I want to feel respected. People just want to be respected, but they don't know how to get that respect. And then we have a culture that is perpetuating disrespect. They turn on the TV, they see disrespect. They turn on the news, they see disrespect. They turn on social media, reality TV, and that's what we're glorifying. And if, if it's ever going to change, it's when we stop glorifying that stuff. When we stop glorifying it, like, and you see, like, even rappers, like, my man, my favorite rapper was Nipsey Hussle. Like, so when you see what he was on before he left, he was changing the narrative. Mm. So he was no longer glorifying, like, let me go shoot up the block so I can earn street cred, even though he did that. He said, they asked him in one of his last interviews, like, do you have any regrets in your life? He said, I don't regret anything I went through. I don't regret going to jail. I don't regret the sl selling drugs. I don't regret any choice I made, except, he said, the only choice I regret is the people's families I hurt because of the mm -hmm. people I hurt. Mm -hmm. So now he's telling kids, like, there's another way. It ain't gotta be like that. We we mm. can we can get the bag. We can be owners. We can boss up. Like that's one of my biggest influences for the things I'm doing in this world is learning how to show up to the table, understanding my value and my worth, so that I can get what's what I'm owed, so that I can take it back. And so, anyway, all that to say, we have to have people like his voice. And every time we have a voice like his, or like a Tupac, then somebody comes hatred <laughs> and take them out before they can really yeah. do it trying to do yeah Martin Luther no, King uh, you know yeah. like anyway, so like all the leaders keep getting taken out who are speaking like there's another way to do this like now we got J. Cole's voice he's like man it ain't got to be all that you ain't got to tell that story you ain't got to chase clout and street cred like just be you fam mm -hmm. do you ever so like what was the awakening point for me like when I was in the hood is that I saw like there was like people stuck in a time machine, yeah? So if you're 13, 14 and you start selling weed, like $10 bags, and then the thing is like, there's people stuck and then they're now, like you got to show them the roadmap. Like, you know what? Because when you're 50, there's the same people doing the same fucking shit they was doing since they were 14. And that was so, like in my head, that was, that was the roadmap. Like you're going to be on this block till you're dead, right? Because you're still going to be selling those packs from the same, like a few people level up and they start becoming the, the kingpin. But most people are just, you know, the, the roadmap, like, like if you look, I'm sure you've got friends when you was like 15 and they're still on the block trapping right now. And they were doing that shit when they was 15 and they're still doing that maybe at 40 and 30, right? That's the roadmap. <laughs> that you're so right. Number one, do you think I'm 40? 
No, of course not. I'm just saying. I just had to ask. No, you're right, though. I had to say that just jokingly, but you are right. And I can think of several people close to me who are doing exactly what you're saying. And it's sad. Yeah, no, I get that. But like, how do you educate the like the youth? Because these are things that we've seen firsthand. So for me, like the questions are easy because I go back to the, my, my days in the hood and I see like the same people, you know what I mean? And like now you go and you see the local crackheads are the people that you grew up with. They used to be your friends. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it's, 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 uh, it's unfortunate, the biggest problem, but it's like a road, it's it's very clear roadmap. You might be at 14, yeah, you're the biggest Don at 14, but then you end up being a crackhead. And there is no, hardly any other route out of that, like literally. Um, how do you stop that before it gets that far, you know? It's, uh, that's, if we've solved that, then there will be no heads. Like crack, you know, all that, that situation will be you need, abolished. You need mentors, man. You need people who care to come back and say they care and keep it real bottom line keep it real that's what i do with them i show up the first day and you know you always got to regulate the first day i pull up to the school and the kids want to test you especially new kids they don't know and they want to play and they want to do this and i come and i'm like yeah everything real funny until you at home crying yourself to sleep tonight because your brother got murdered they get quiet mm. I, yeah it's real funny kiki ha ha it's real cool it's real cute until you go home crying yourself to sleep because your parents ain't at the crib and you got to figure out how to feed a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Yeah, uh-huh. You know how I know? I've been there. So now I'm like, when I'm doing this stuff, I say, yeah, my goal, the reason I come here is because I care and I want to keep you out of a cage in a box. That's mm-hmm. my goal. Because I'm a lot, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that things aren't sometimes stacked against you and things could be leading you towards a cage or a box. Mm-hmm. After that, it's, they end because now... They expect me to come in with this all cool, positive, like that. And I am positive and I am leading them. I'm exposing them, but I also keep it real with them. And they respect that. They're like, dang, dude's really like, he's not playing. Like, no, I'm not playing because your life is not a joke or a Mm -hmm. game. Yeah. I think also like girls, teenage pregnancies, right? A lot of young girls, they have so much potential. And then they're just, there's lack of sexual education, right? And that's what it is. And because they don't have sexual education, you know, they their mother didn't sit down with them and tell them what periods are because, you know, that could have prevented a lot. And then, you know, they're, they're 13, they're 12, they end up with children, which, you know, now they have to leave school. They can't be in school because now they turn full-time mothers, right? And so I think that there are so many um, simple things, but again, we need the people to go there and people are not giving their time or they want a lot of money for that time and then just doing it for money. They don't give a fuck, you know? And so what you're doing is incredible, especially for someone like me who's from the hood. Like I wish when I was a youth that thinking I was a bad girl, like someone like you pulled up and, you know, helped me see, like navigate. It's so important. Um, so if you could change one thing about this, you know, in the hood, like the structure, you know, what would it be? Mm, that's tough, man. It's tough to pinpoint one. It's a lot of things that need to happen. Um, probably access to to education if if I could change something. And I don't mean school, because that ain't mm-hmm. education. That's like 
that's just regurgitating information. I'm talking about like understanding credit, understanding how that works, understanding like like teaching them thing loopholes and tricks. Since I've been exposed to all these big people that's doing stuff on the biggest stages, you know they got every loophole in the book for how to get breaks on your taxes. Yeah. Or how to create a business entity and now write off my J's and my hats because now that's a part of my uniform, how I show up. Like, yeah, you know, you know I love that. Like they don't yeah. have access to being taught real life skills so that they can stop breaking their necks and, ha- and being deprived basic things like food and all of this stuff. Like, I, I just wish that. And so I do it. I do it, you know, but if we could change it, like there's all type of programs in some communities or in some schools or some cities that people have access to that they don't there's just so much they don't know so like credit they know they have it but they don't understand it's important like you can get anything so then when they get older and they get out and they want to figure out man okay i want to establish a business i would like to have a business loan where your credit is shot you can't do nothing without that i know especially here in america like your credit score is shot you can't do nothing like Mm -hmm. so just teaching them about some of these things that have the ability to open so many doors for them, man. Yeah, because it's they live in a cash world, right? Especially when you're like around uh, drug dealers, you're making your money in cash. You're not going to go and put that into your bank account because you have no way to prove where you got your money from. And so, yeah, they never think of of becoming legit because and so they always stay like underground, you know? Like, like instead of taking money and going and shooting craps they got three hundred dollars they go and shoot craps and lose it all what if they took 100 of that dollars two years ago and they put it in crypto Mm. what if they put it in something even whatever coin i ain't gonna say a coin because somebody would be like not that coin i'm not gonna well but what if they had a and even though the markets and all of these things are struggling now like you know how that goes up and down they will be more up than down though Cause I did put some money in crypto and even though it's down now, it's still more than I put in. Mm. So what if they had, what if somebody taught them how to do that? Yeah. Not even they, Bro, go shoot craps, go spend 200, just keep one and put mm-hmm. it in something, learn how to invest, learn how to, that's what I'm talking about, man. So we have the ability to show people like, and it can transform lives once they have Absolutely. access. Uh, the kid says, have you ever thought about giving up? I think that's a great question, by the way. So, the answer to that question is absolutely yes but not not since i've been who i am today so it in my 20s i tell people i was in the wilderness like so i'm 35 right now and from 20 to 30 was like nightmares it was like a lot of horrible season man and i i when you say giving up, like I, I will never give up on life itself because i just feel like life is good even when it's not i live by that like even on my worst day, there's something to be thankful for. And I feel like my worst complaints are the answer to somebody else's prayers. Gets back to what you said, like some of the communities and some other places who do have it a lot worse. Like, all right, fam. And it's hard to think about that when you're in the midst, but that just lives in my heart. Right. But there were days where I felt like, man, I'm not just going to do nothing, man. I'm just going to sit in the house and just hide from the world. I'm tired. I'm tired. I am got nothing else to give. I don't have a smile to fake and put on my face. I don't have energy or life. I'm tired of being no. Like I was applying for jobs. I'll pay $100,000 for a college education at a private university. 
to not be able to get a job. And now I'm in this big debt. And so I'm applying for jobs and I'm going on interview and interview and interview four interviews for one job. It's like, all right, it's you and two other people. They choose the other person. Next job. I go on five interviews. It's you and three other people. They choose the other person. Go to another job. This happened like four times in a row. I was like, man, what's wrong with me? And it wasn't like they didn't like me. I kept going. It ain't like one interview, you're done. I was going to all the interviews, meeting the team, meeting the exec. This is where your desk would be and not getting a job. And I would start thinking like, man, if this this ain't it. I can't do this, man. Forget it. I'm tired of showing up. I'm going to stop using my time and my gas that I don't have because I don't got a job showing up, getting spun around, getting the run around. And it wasn't until like, I had this revelation when I turned 30. I don't know what it was about that number, but that's like when I came out the wilderness and I I think like a clock went off in my head. Like, yo, you ain't a kid no more, fam. You got to get to it. You got to get active. You got to make something happen. So what shifted in me was I looked at this situation and this circumstance and I realized, yes, I was in the wilderness, but you know what happens in the wilderness? Something real crazy happened in the wilderness. Like I learned about survival when I was in the wilderness. I learned how to hunt in the wilderness. I learned how to fish and gather. I learned how to provide for myself. And I put some tools in my tool belt that I didn't know I was going to need in the future, all in that season where I thought I might've wanted to give up. Listen to me. If you ever felt like giving up, you don't even understand what how bright your future is and just know that everything that's happening, and it sounds so cliche, but at the end of the day, it's real. Every, nothing stuff is not happening to you. It's happening to equip you for a future that you cannot see if you're willing to hold on. So hold on, fam, because you can. I love that. Um, what are some of your inspirations to keep going and encourage others? Man, I have a I have a ridiculous uh, appreciation for life. Like I got a daily routine that's stupid. Where does your drive come from? Do you think is that like the poverty what poverty driven children? Yeah, PDC. Yeah, I, honestly, it's funny because <laughs> I had a friend, it was a girl, <laughs> and uh, we were meeting and we were talking and she had been through like one cycle after another cycle after another cycle of these dudes like playing with her and breaking her heart and treating her dirty and doing all this stuff. And she was like, why, why can't I like find a man like you, somebody who cares, somebody who's nurturing, like and all this stuff? Because she knew I did for my wife. She was like, how, why? And I said, honestly, like what drives me is promises I made to myself. My conviction runs deep. When I was nine and 10 years old, I promised myself I'll never make a woman feel the way my dad made my mom feel. I promised myself that I would never be this type of human that made other humans feel. I just, I had these core convictions at a young age. She said, so you're telling me basically I got to find damaged goods. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. I was like, I mean, kinda. I was like, I don't know. Like sometimes people take things for granted when they haven't ever had to go through some of those extremes. So when you ask the question, what drives me, it is a lot of, a lot of what drives me is derived from my pain. Like basically I converted my pain uh, into a passion and purpose now that allows me to help others do the same. Mm -hmm. So say that right now there's some kid who, you know, got kids out of school, right? Hasn't got education, ain't got no money at all. Like zero. Yeah. Um, is at the at the brink of going to take a, a bag so he can flip it um because there is no other alternative how do you help that that child or girl who's on the brink of going to sell herself because her mom is hungry you know it's really bad and they don't see 
there is no way out of that circumstance right now. I, I never went to school. I'm not going to ever get a job because right now the corporate companies, they say, show me your uh, CV. You need to prove that you've studied. Even McDonald's don't hire if you didn't go to school. Facts. So what I would tell them is, number one, I would approach both of those differently, but there is always a way. And the way comes from you surrounding yourself with people who are whose life look like you want it to look. So that means you can't talk to the OG on the block if you ain't trying to be the OG on the block, because it's rare that people make it to the OG on the block without going to a cage or a box. Keeping it real again to the young lady. I would talk to her about uh, how special she is. Right. I talk to her about value. And we do this exercise sometimes where we take a hundred dollar bill and off the top, I just ball it up. Ball it up, stupid, color on it, like roll it up. I mean, make it, I mean, just horrible. Stomp on it, pour chocolate on do all this stuff, <laughs> pass it around, let everybody do the same. And like, by the time it goes around the whole room, it don't, it just looks like a raggedy piece of paper, mm-hmm. like horrible. And I take it back and I hold it up. I'm like, now who wants this? Everybody wants it. Why do they want it? Because no matter what happened to that bill, they know it still has the same value. Mm-hmm. So what I tell that young lady is, it doesn't matter that you don't have all of this fancy, shiny degree and all this stuff. You got to see your value because you still have it. You are mm-hmm. as valuable today as the day you were when you were born. And so it's a self-worth conversation to realize you don't have to go down that path because you have more to give. You do have something else to give. Now, how do you figure out how to give that? Is by finding other women or men who are further than you in your industry who can open a door, make a connection for you. Because she can't do that by herself. Mm-hmm. This is what other cultures do well. I have a friend, one of my best friends. I love this dude. I Indians say, are really good at that. Yes. I love this dude. And he has uh, he has a felony. And he don't come from nobody's hood. He come from the country. He just made a bad choice. He has a felony. That ain't stop him from getting a professional job because somebody who was where he wanted to be, said, you know what? I know who you are, and I know that's not who you are. Let me give you a shot. Mm. So to that young lady, I would say, find your people and just build a relationship. Let them get to know your heart, and one of them will give you an opportunity that you couldn't get on your own. Mm-hmm. And there's another way to do it without sacrificing yourself and sacrificing the precious temple and your precious jewels for to have to feel empty after you do that. Same thing to my man's. That's about to go sling, flip a bag. Like, you ain't got to do that, fam. Like, you might feel like you need to do that right now. I ain't never judging nobody. So that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. But where does that end? Where does that take you? Mm-hmm. Like, and what good is it if you do get caught and then you go to jail over a $20 transaction? Now you got to pay 200 to get out. You don't got that. Mm-hmm. Or you just stay in there. And now you got this stuff on your record for $20, fam. You know how many ways you can make $20? I just told you about other people money, dude. You can drop ship tomorrow. Like there's so but they need to, they don't know that. Mm. So get around the people who are where you want to be. Find some voices. Find them on Instagram. Find them on YouTube. Find them on wherever you find them, whatever your communities are. People is making the bag off video game streaming today. I got friends that's making month checks. Like I get a check from Facebook now every month. Like what? So like figure out how to do that and put your energy in that. And then you ain't got to look over your shoulder. Yeah, it's so important. I think. Um, Mentorship yeah. matters, though. Yeah. You got to have a mentor. 
Yeah, exactly. Because we think, oh, we're too ghetto. They will never speak to us, you know. Um, and the girl thinks, oh, the only way they'll speak to me if I'm hot. So <laughs> it's actually quite funny. You know, it is. It is. And also, you know, there's so much dynamics with women are justified on who they date. It's crazy. I hope that changes in the future. Um, I want to see more, you know, boss babes, you know. Hell yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like the justification hopefully will stop one day. Um, but I want to say thank you so much because I feel like I can relate to you. We're both from the hood. We're not really, we're not around the, the same activ activities. So we are a way, like a proof that you can, like I didn't go to school. I left school at 13 years old. You know what I mean? And um, just that self-belief, even from when, it's like, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I'm not going to be here. Like, hell no, you know? Um, and so maybe it takes something really tragic for you to, to, to be able to, to see that there, you need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm proud of you for shining your light and for doing what you've done. Like sometimes, you. you know that, but sometimes we just need to hear it. And you know, the impact you're making, you'll never know. You don't know how many people you're reaching and all the interesting stories, the fun stories. This one was a little bit more serious, but talking about everything and all the topics like it matters. And you've created a community around that and you provided for yourself. So salute to you. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Thank you. I think it's important. I think majority of my communities are not from the hood. Like you, you know, so I, it's like, should we adapt to, to now not be the way that we once was? And it's too much effort to try and speak proper English for me. And I'll probably end up saying like, bruv, I know like, so it's like very like uh, slang terms in the UK, in the UK. And it's just too much effort. Even like, yeah, never, never been fond of speaking very good English. I'm going to do an event. They're trying to bring me to do an event this year. So I'm going to hit you up and make sure you're in the middle. Yeah, man. Oh my God. It'll be incredible. I would love to see you speak in person. I know you'll knock down the roof. It's been an honor that you came and I wish you a great week. And guys, please, where can we find you, Marcus? Because you are like, you, you're so inspiring. I, and I, you know how much of an impact, you, like, dude, the CEOs of the Fortune 500, that this, he's from Tennessee. Um, and a lot of my community are wrestling. So I do pro wrestling for Twitch, right? Kane is now mayor um, in, in Tennessee. I don't, do you know that? No, that's what's up. You know who Kane is? I don't know if I do. I'm WWE wrestler. He used to wear masks. Uh, yo, that sounds familiar. The Undertaker, and then there was Kane. So he's a mayor. Oh, in Kane. You yeah, said, he's a mayor. <laughs> you said, I thought you said King. You said no, Kane. Kane. Yeah. yeah, I know who that is. Of course I know who that is. Yeah, that's he's a up. mayor. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's like where you come from. And so yeah. it's... it's it's amazing to see what you're doing. I'm a huge fan of you. And I, I know that your, your future is just, in, you know, insane. And it's just so dope that you are you. And, you know, you're still, like, rocking the hat, the hoodie, speaking to the CEOs and decided to switch up. And the core foundation is the youth, you know. And you have solutions. Like, I asked you problems. So how do we fix the girl situation? You know, 
all the things because I can relate to those situations and uh, you have solutions. So the US government needs to give you a contract. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, thank you so much. It's been an honor. And um, I can't wait to see everything that you have going on. Thank you so much. My Where friend. can we find you? I know uh, you have your links, right? Yeah, man, you can. I'm everywhere, man. I'm on all the social platforms. Let me not say everywhere, but if you just find M Black Speaks, so that's M B L A C K Speaks with an S. I'm a uh, Instagram is the place where I'm probably most active, and I, I respond to messages. Also, I'll be on Clubhouse out here in these streets. I'm on Twitter. I don't do a lot there, but I'm there. I'm also on TikTok, and I'm trying to get better at that. So. I'll let your boy. I uh, also have mblackspeaks.com if you want to see the book. Or I got some free downloadables there that I don't even think you got to put your email address in. Just some morning meditation and motivation stuff. So, yeah, I'll let your boy. Man, I love to connect with y'all. Thank you. Tell us a bit quickly about the, the motivation because I think we can all use that. The yes, free I downloads. If you give me uh, the link, I will provide that to everyone. I'll give you the link. It's on my website. Basically, it was a uh, now if you are a meditation guru, it's not going to be like the greatest meditation, but it is just an entryway beginner way to start your day every day. I made one a day for seven days. So there's a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, all the way through Saturday morning meditation and motivation with Marcus. So we start slow. You breathe a little bit, get yourself in, you know, and then they, then I turn it up and I get the juices going and I kick you off to go get your day started the best way possible. Be because you can let's go amazing thank you have a great day marcus you really are so inspiring you know and uh, you know i'm from africa that's like my soul foundation one day i want to see you inspiring people in africa because uh you know they also need a lot of self-belief they have so you know, you, you're going to change the world. You already are, but you're going to have such a huge impact on us. And uh, I, I'm just, even me, it's very exciting to watch. Maybe we'll do an event there one day. Absolutely, so man. Like for real, you're going to be speaking and telling your story too. So let's talk about it. But y'all have an incredible day. Thank you for having me and hit me up anytime. Thank you so much, Marcus. So guys, that was Marcus Black. Check out his um, website. Check out his Instagram and his Twitter. He's not really active on Twitter, but he has TikTok and uh, MX Beats. Hey, yo, check it out, it's the kid. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vocal Minds with Sophia. Sophia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, and now on iTunes, all right? Follow her on both Instagram and Twitter under Vocal Mind Sophia. And don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast. Matter of fact, tell all your friends about the podcast. What are you waiting for? Honestly. <laughs>